listening to Surviving Parenthood, the Parenting Podcast, the podcast which aims to challenge the one-size-fits-all parenting story. I am Sam, and as you know, I am forever curious about how parents survive modern-day parenting. So today, I am talking to Kate Oliver, all about single parenting and her unique story. Thanks for joining us, Kate. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, so glad that you're here. So I'm sure, like me, you have a bank of cringe parenting vows or moments or funny stories, just so all the parents listening, they feel like they're in the same boat. Can you share one of your funny stories? Daily. Well, it's an interesting (laughs) thing. When you you asked me this question, I thought, well, there's the everyday stuff that happens, isn't there, that I'd stop punishing myself over, you know, sending your child to school with um, store cupboard ingredients for the packed lunches, expecting to get a note back from school saying (laughs) it wasn't a very healthy choice. So um, I asked my children this as well, actually, because I thought they're probably the best judges of this. So I think one of the most memorable ones and I managed to style it out very well, was I took them, it it was a very sort of dark time for us. Mm. Um, it was in the early stages of sort of the separation, and it was, it was a beautiful day, so I took them to Lady Bow to try and get a bit of, you know, close to nature and all the rest of it. And um, we were walking along to Slippery Stones, and I decided I don't like to take the path that other people do, and I think that's quite a good analogy for me in life. I like to take different paths. So I convinced the girls to follow me sort of into the woodland and try an alternative way. And unbeknown to me, I the girls sort of walked along in what looked like quite a sort of slushy area of this particular forest bit. And as I stepped onto it, obviously being significantly heavier than they were, I literally um, fell up to mid-thigh in a bog and on that particular day as well I was wearing sandals and a dress why wouldn't you I had a handbag (laughs) so I just remember leaning forward my glasses were all skew with my bag had come around the top of my head and hit me on the head and I was leaning trying to get out and all I, I looked like a swamp monster and the girls were looking at me in total shock and I I thought, oh, I'm literally, I'm going to be stuck here forever. So oh, I crawled out. Right. I mean, I was that vacuumed into the thing. My It took away my sandals, so I had to then reach back in oh, to get my sandals out. I was quite right, actually. And then I washed myself off in the lake and went back onto the path and um, looking more bedraggled than anything, just carried on the walk. <laughs> and people were walking past me looking... So my children now know me. They'll say, Mum, don't don't go off the path. You know what happened last time. Don't oh, go off Stuck in a bog. Stuck in a bog. Oh, yeah. hey, that's so funny. <laughs> I feel like every time I speak to a guest, they unearth something that I've repressed deep in my subconscious. And as you were talking there, I um, it's, not, it's not actually a parenting foul, but last year we were camping and I had, I don't know why I did this, but we all got on a boat together, me, my husband and the two kids. And for some reason, because I wanted to take photos, because it's, you know, it's quite romantic and lovely and we're on this lake and everything. And then I just, I, I had my phone on the boat, but obviously the boat then tipped. So my phone went off the boat into the lake. And I, I don't know what happened, but you know, when you just don't have any conscious thought. And I literally went 
into the lake. I just literally just walked <laughs> into the lake to try and retrieve this phone that I was so desperate yeah. not to lose because it is so annoying, isn't it, when you lose your phone? Yeah. But the yeah. kids are like, oh, my God. Well, that's, you know, this this strange, soaken woman that everyone was basically looking at. But that's just parenting just life, isn't it? Of course it is. You sometimes don't have to think. You kind of go into, what is it I need to do? And you just exactly. do it. It's just like autopilot, isn't it? You don't, you just have to do what you can do to get through the day. For fun videos, activities, educational content, and much, much more, head to Twinkle Kids TV. Our YouTube channel is packed with ideas to make surviving parenthood a little easier and a lot more entertaining. That's Twinkle Kids TV. Take a look today. So, okay, just so I can get you to know you a little bit better can I ask you a few quick fire questions of course okay what are you currently reading I'm reading a book at the moment called Stronger got it right here actually oh, called uh, sorry by Pornabelle and a little bit of the backstory it says if you are the girl the woman who feels like she's never enough that she will never be as strong as good as capable I am here to tell you that you are enough and this is a woman's story. Uh, she's overcome a lot of adversity, mm -hmm. um, particularly um, around, she talks about physical strength, actually, and, of course, and how that coincides with her overall mental strength. Mental strength sorry. Mm -hmm. um, she lost her husband. He committed suicide. And she thought, right, I don't, I don't want this life anymore. I'm going to change myself. And she did. So it's quite inspiring. Oh, that's so lovely. I'm looking forward to hearing more about your journey. And that sounds such a great book for any women out there that are perhaps feeling like they're not enough, perhaps yeah. feeling like they need a confidence boost. Yeah. If you could be any type of animal, what would it be and why? Oh, gosh. You see, I love pandas, but they're not. Oh. I have this thing with um, <laughs> somebody on my team. Um, you know, they're very attractive. They're very cute to look at. Everybody likes them. They don't really serve any purpose and they just slide around all day and they get, that's allowable. And I think, I think maybe a panda actually. I'd just like to get away with being adored and people laughing at me for sliding down a big slide, I think. <laughs> they just, just kind of have no purpose other than to, oh, that's a bit controversial, but I, I think a panda. Oh, I'm loving these answers. What's your favourite sound and why? Um, I have to be honest, it's got to be uh, woodland and forest. Um, so the birds, yeah. uh, rustling of the trees. Um, my dog who jumps through fern makes that weird noise. I found a squirrel, he's seen a squirrel. I think it has to be that walking through the woodland and all the noises and the wind yeah it's so relaxing isn't it connecting mm. with the gifts of mother earth yeah is it is it more important to be nice or to be right um I come from a very competitive family mm -hmm. and quite a few of us and I think I would have years ago told you because it was ingrained in me that it's more important to be right but I 100% believe now it's important to be nice and whose who's version of right is right, you know? Yeah. If it's right for me, then that's all I need to know. It might not be right for everybody. So always, always choose the nice path, I think. Always be lovely. I yes. feel like, yeah, we've all got our own version of what truth means. And as long as we stick to that, we'll all be okay. 
I have Would a, you... a saying, sorry, which yeah, is, no, you, you know, you, you, you live your truth, you have your version and that's, and that's okay. And it's okay to walk away from that, even if you don't necessarily agree. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Okay. Last final question. Would you live forever? Nope. <laughs> 100%. That's an emphatic no. <laughs> yeah. 100% no. I think, you know, it's okay to try and do as much as you can with what you've got for as long as you're here for. Pass on all the knowledge. It's important to do that. But no, I think I would get, I'd bore myself, I think. No, mm. I don't I don't feel that I'd want to live forever at all. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about your parenting setup. So you've got two girls, which you've already told me about. One is 11, one is 17. Yes. You have been a single parent for about five years now. But yeah. am I right in saying it feels like it's been a long long time since you've had that kind of support oh yeah 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 so tell me a bit about it yeah I mean the actual physical presence obviously it's coming up to be five years in October but I think mentally um it was absent for so Evie is now I keep thinking how old she's yes 10 and so she's 11 in August but I remember having these feelings from when she was four when she first started school, that's when those feelings of isolation really started and loneliness and, mm. you know, not present, no, not, no support. So mm. six, six, seven years, really, I would say. I, yeah. I would probably say I've been solo parenting. Solo parenting for that long. So tell me a little bit about how that has been for you and how you've experienced that solo parenting. I I knew single parents before I was one um, and I have to say coming through it all an utter newfound respect I think I think it's really hard I've I have I've known people who've said you know partners away for two nights so it's like being a single parent and it's really it's really difficult to hear that because you think yeah, it's all the things that you wouldn't imagine that would get to you. It really is. Um, it's been quite a cathartic journey. It has. And I think for the for the most part, it was a good decision. You know, the, the, the girls are thriving. I've come through it and I've been given that um, ability to be myself for something quite, for something quite reassuring. Um, about having the ability to make all the parenting decisions on my mm. own. It wasn't what I wanted, but it was just how it's happened. So mm. um, I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot about my children. And I've learned a lot about what the important things are about parenting. And it's not what I originally thought they were. What did you it's, originally think they were? What was the template there? I think I thought parenting for me was about doing everything for the children and being everything for the children and making sure that their happiness was utmost the most important thing I could do Mm. Um, but I've subsequently realized that I'm no good to them as a parent if I don't put my own seatbelt on first and and actually I, I can't be their everything and I can't be 
I can I, I can't make everything right. I think that's what I tried to make everything right at the start and I couldn't. And I've accepted that. Mm. So when you say you try to make everything right, mm. what sort of underlying feeling was driving that pattern of thoughts or behaviour, would you say? Guilt, mm. enormous amounts of guilt that mm. they weren't going to have the life that I had envisaged for them, you know? Mm. Um, t- yeah. terrible terrible guilt and Mm. I overcompensated in a lot of ways Mm. and I think I over I overcompensated with my eldest um I remember having a conversation with her I took on the role of you know mother and father doing the traditional role should I say um I was self-employed at that point so I was working from home being a childminder and sometimes I, I remember feeling so strongly that she wasn't going to be looked at as well she's gone a bit off the rails because you know the dad dad's left and mum can't cope I just remember having this real overwhelming feeling that that wasn't going to happen so I overdid it a little bit mm-hmm. and you know we had many conversations like you know you do know that my friends think that that you're a little bit more strict with me than they are and I said well good because I'm the only one that's here mm-hmm. so I have to be my eldest subsequently said to me she's really pleased that it that did give give her that. There were a few moments, obviously. But um yeah, I think that's sort of overwhelmingly how I felt. Very I was very anxious at, at first, in the first year or so. Um mm. every little thing really mattered. And it was really mm. important for me at that point to be right. Mm. Um, and then I learned that that wasn't working out very well for me. <laughs> so I had to just kind of give a few things up and let go a little bit. How did you, I'm just wondering how you transitioned from that feeling of guilt and that feeling of um, overcompensating to shifting to a sort of more reflective let's say parenting style um I think when I realized that it my way wasn't working and it was quite tiring and I took ownership of the things that I could do to influence a positive decision stop reflecting on the negative um about the things that they hadn't got give a nod to it but don't dwell on it and Mm. I'm not going to lie, it did take a lot of emotional and physical energy from me. And at first I used to do a lot, a lot with them. Mm. And I remember people saying to me, oh gosh, you know, you're so good. You take them everywhere and you do things. And I think I did it to convince myself and to show them as well that mm. we could still do it as a little unit. Um, and after a while I thought, this is not what they need from me because it's a bit unrealistic really, isn't it? I can't do this all the time. So I just gave up their expectations of what I thought they needed. And I thought, well, what, what can I, what can I do? What do they need from me? Mm -hmm. I can give them that. I'm not their dad and I don't want to replace him and he's responsible for his own parenting. That's not up for me to to decide and influence. Mm -hmm. But what I can do is, is just do be the very best I can when they're with me maybe not fall in too many bobs along the way (laughs) 
oh, Kate, you know what? That's so inspiring. And, you know, just listening to your story there, I'm, I'm sort of wondering, you know, how we as parents go into the setup with sort of these, you know, semi-fixed ideals about how things should be and how we want to parent. And it is yeah. in some ways so deeply unrealistic. And I think being just vulnerable and sitting mm. with, you know what, I didn't match up to that because mm. my expectations were far too um, unrealistic. Yeah, I think that I was pushing that on the children as well and I wasn't yeah. allowing them to sort of express their emotions because I, by wanting to make it all right, I wasn't allowing them to actually feel a bit of pain, feel a bit of sadness. And I remember saying to my, you know, my children, I know you must be feeling really conflicted right now because, you you know, you love him, but you're also really cross with him and that's okay. Mm. I remember they've seen me cry probably well, it's not about puppies or kittens on adverts and things that I do all the time, <laughs> but really seeing me cry probably twice. Wow. And I didn't want them to. The first time it was on a holiday and they were so wonderful. And I remember it was all sitting on the bed and they were sort of saying, it's okay, mummy, it's okay. And I said, this emotion is okay girls I'm just feeling and I described how I was feeling and then it was gone mm. and then the other time I think just out of sheer sort of frustration mm. um but I have to be careful my eldest is very good at you know they, they do absorb it but I do think it's quite healthy for them sometimes to see absolutely you know, you're not doing quite as well as they think you might be and I think every time it's come to that there's been a sort of it builds up and builds up and builds up and then they see my emotion and then they kind of go okay you know mum needs a bit of help too mum might need a bit of support mm -hmm. and also like the word you use being vulnerable I've learned to be vulnerable because I think that's a really really important thing to do yeah and laugh at yourself from failings because I've yeah. sort of failed so many times yeah, and it's, there's so much strength in that vulnerability and there's so much strength in admitting that because you know if, if I, I feel like the last thing that parents want to hear is that everyone else has got it together you know I feel <laughs> like if we sort of really came together and admitted our oh, faults yeah. and our fouls I feel like it would just be so so much more community spirited and you know less competition and less you comparing know how, exactly you know how it is yeah. You know, going, you know, the, the children walk into school with their supposedly own made, you know, things that they've made. <laughs> and actually, we just let the kids get on with it. They're going to be absolutely fine. It's the, it really is the parents. We talked about this before, didn't we? Because I remember yeah. years and years ago thinking, somebody needs to make a series about this. And then they did. It's called Motherland. And if nobody's ever watched it, they need to watch it. There will be a character. I'm a little bit of all of them, but there's a character in there for everybody. It's brilliant. It's it so funny. It is. It just exposes it all. And that sometimes mm. I think we have these expectations for our children and they're actually not really an awful lot about our children. They're about us, aren't they? And you think, you know, it's like having a little prized pony. You want it to look the best. You want it to be the best. But people don't like people who are always good at everything. They and really who are always don't. right. No, they really don't. <laughs> I so, think it was so I, annoying. <laughs> yeah. 
So actually, I try and book the trend and be rubbish at pretty much everything. Mm. <laughs> well, you definitely don't, but I do know what you mean. I feel like there's nothing worse than just hearing about, oh, you know, these these parenting WhatsApp groups that you find yourself. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm in a, like a very good sisterhood where there's like six of us that are very, you know, we're always having a laugh and we're always admitting the stuff that we did wrong. But you know, like these wider parenting groups that you yes. put in, you think, oh. Oh, you know okay. how you know. I, I want them to start walking, and they're about seven yeah. months. Is it too early? When do I start potty training? And I, and I, and I get I get that you, there is some comfort, but it's the competitiveness. Because I want to say, let me tell you something. My eldest didn't start walking until she was fourteen months, fifteen months. In fact, I went to pick her up. Um, I used to live in quite a small terrace and I went to pick her up from nursery on the Friday and they said, oh, we're going to keep Emily behind in the baby room because, well, she's not really walking yet. We don't want her to lose her confidence if we take her to the toddler room. And I said, okay, took her home. I delivered her back on Monday, walking. I went, there you go, she can move on. I mean, how stupid is that? It's ridiculous. But then her sister um, was walking at 11 months and it was a nightmare because I just want to say slow it slow it down they'll all get there in the end you know exactly and yeah you know they're not going to get to a certain age and not be able to walk and I feel like there's so much pressure on us as parents to be uh, you know just have our kids as you say like these prize ponies that can do everything before everyone else and you know they're going to get there at some point and and I think that's just a really good metaphor for life just slowing it down it doesn't have to be fast-paced and uh, you know, have these sort of enforced expectations of, of all time. It could just actually be really enjoyable if we let it be. Yeah, and and I remember sort of seeing posts and people, but actually, even with Emily, I wasn't really. Me and my first child wasn't really that bothered. I thought, oh, maybe I should be potty training her now. But because I left it till quite late, she took to it really well. And I, and then reading posts about people who are, I'm so stressed. I'm trying to potty train at eleven months, and I'm constantly cleaning up. And I'm thinking, well. Don't do it then. Just don't wait. That's yeah. telling you the universe or your child's bladder is telling you they're not ready. <laughs> don't do it. It's simple. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. So it's like listening to our own inner voice as well as maybe what our children are t- trying to tell us. Yes. So, Kate, was it harder or is it harder than what you expected it to be? Yeah. Shall I tell you something that people say? It gets easier. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I think what happened is it, obviously the time time frame has, it's gone on. The difficulties become more complex as they get older. Mm -hmm. Um, The constant perpetual state of tiredness Mm -hmm. is something you just have to accept and take the small wins. Gets as the children, as the girls have got older. I mean, my eldest now has become, you know, she's pretty much an adult. So, in that respect, that's been really lovely. Um, but the, I would say, the emotional strain has got just get harder. There's those difficult decisions to make. You know, there's all the stuff that goes with puberty, all the feelings and the emotions, and then there's the relationship side of stuff. You know, school friends. So when they're smaller. Um, I remember, you know, Evie, when she was six, it was quite easier to manage, but because it's, her needs are becoming a little bit more complex, it does mm-hmm. feel... I have often just sat, stood in my kitchen and gripped the worktop thinking, 
I thought I was an emotional person, but this is way too much for me. This is way too much, it, you know. So um, it's the relentlessness sometimes. Mm. It's, you know, you just get in bed and, you know, you think, oh, I'll just read a book or I'll just watch this. And then it's, mum, I was just, and you're thinking, no, don't, just don't just. Yeah. And I have been known to say to my eldest, okay, unless it's urgent, i.e. life-threatening, I don't want you to ask me a question that's going to require anything from me right now. It's 10 o'clock at night and, yeah, we need to stop. So, Yeah, that's really empowering to hear, actually. I do a similar thing. I feel like, you know, you get to a certain point in the day and obviously some days are more testing than others, but, you, you know, you, you, you have nothing else to give. <laughs> You've just got nothing else. No, no more outpouring can occur. And I, that's what I say. I, I, I literally have to say to them, I have nothing to give you right now. Just, so unless it's I something just, urgent, then you yeah. need to be able to fix it yourself. And I think that that's actually really important. They do go away and think, actually, what are my resources here? What what can I draw on myself? I think what I've started to do more recently, like I said, because initially I was really overcompensating, and particularly with my youngest, and it was causing a lot of conflict. And I was running around like a butler after her. Honest, I'll be honest, I was, and thinking, yeah. it's okay, I'll do it. And she was literally walking around, stepping out of her clothes, throwing, you know, everything was, and I was getting more and more annoyed. And I thought, well, actually, I've told her that it's, that it's okay. My eldest would get cross with me because she's babying her. So I just mm. started to put some boundaries in. Mm. And I just say, okay, this is what I'd like you to do without overcomplicating it. Mm. But I started to put some healthy boundaries in. And it's amazing, really, how quickly that can change. And they see, they need to see me. And I've had conversations with them as well about, you know, I am, you know, I am an individual here. I'm trying to do the best thing I can for you. But I'm also, I'm working looking after myself, the cat and the dog, and then there's you two. Can you imagine? It's quite hard. I used to say, Mummy's reservoir of empathy has run dry for today, so I need to just, I'm afraid, girls, I love you, but I don't like what you're doing, so I'm just going to walk away from the situation right now. Let's all have a think about it, and then I'll probably be feeling a bit, bit better tomorrow to tackle this. Oh, I've written that down, Kate. A reservoir of empathy, that's just amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> and actually, I feed my soul. That was the thing. I was looking for other people and other things to replenish it. And I realise now they can't do that, but, uh, but making myself a bit more vulnerable, really having great, great friends. And don't have, you know, you don't need many either. You don't need to go out all the time. Just sometimes a nice half an hour chat with somebody, really, really open. And it's amazing how many people are feeling the same things as you. It really is, isn't it? And connecting mm. with other adults is so crucial, you know. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, I think sometimes it can become a bit of a pressure cooker unless we remove ourselves from the humdrum and, you know, some, some of it can feel a bit monotonous and tiring and draining and just, I think when I before I was a childminder and that was all I did. You know, I just looked after everybody else all the time. So coming to Twinkle, it it, did, it has taken me, but yeah. with a, you know a while to really start to sort of think, you you it's okay. You deserve this. You deserve the you know you have the right to ask for this because it works for you. It took me ages to work it out. Mm. So I've started to do it a little bit more. And just so now. Often I'll just say to the girls, they're okay in the house. I say, right, I'm just nipping out for a swim with my friends. I'll be an hour, a couple of hours, and that's it, with no guilt. 
Whereas, whereas before I used to think, no, I better stay because they need me. And then I end up sat downstairs on my own thinking, yeah. well, nobody really does actually, do they? I think I want to be needed more than they need me. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Sometimes mm. I think we can all fall into that trap. So as well, as well as sort of the idea that parents need to put themselves at the top of the pile, any mums or dads or carers listening out there that perhaps are in your situation a few years ago, you know, that are very much in the thick of single parenthood. Is there any other mm. advice that you might impart? I think I always struggle to put my, you know, have some me time. I, 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 don't, even, I don't even like the phrase and I don't know why. I think all my time is me time. It's just how I choose to spend it. So, you know, we, we all own our time, don't we? Mm. And it, I, for me, I struggle with the thought of being selfish. But what I've found is that it's crucial to just do a few things, explore some things that you didn't think you might, you might enjoy, mm. push your comfort boundaries a little bit, don't always take all the invites, because I did that at first and exhausted myself. Um, self-care as in you mm. know sleeping eating well hydration is crucial mm. and I wished I'd have tapped into a few more self-help books earlier on because I used to think well I don't need any help that I'm invincible I can do it all anyway actually it's just nice to get a little bit of confirmation it really is, isn't it? And I feel like self-care can take so many different forms. It could be like, as you say, the sleep hygiene and the good nutrition, mm-hmm. which is so vital. But at the same time, you know, the, the self-care when it comes to our emotional health and how we speak to ourselves, how yes. what the, the words that we are we using. Yes. Now, I, I find myself definitely talking to myself in a way that I would never dream to speak to a friend. Exactly. You know, I think I think looking at that internal voice and that internal chatter is crucial. One hundred percent, and that you know that that's a really good a really good tip. Um, think about how would I speak? How, what advice would I give my child if she was telling me that she felt like me? What would I say? Um, so I'm very good at pointing that out to somebody else, and not always that good at reflecting. But like mm. you say, the emotional boundaries that mm. you can put in place. Say, mm. okay, I don't and not be so reactive it's it's always good to think sometimes people hear the emotion in a conversation and not the words so I never react immediately if it's something I think is going to be a little bit controversial or something that's annoyed me I try not to react straight away I will reflect and then decide okay what's the real issue here um but it, Mm. it it People say to me, it does get better. And you adapt, actually. Take the small joys. I've gone on some walks before where I have felt so low and so lonely and I've taken my dog. And do you know what? I've bumped into people, strangers, and I've had the most wonderful conversations with them. And it's about that connection. And you just, you, you need to fill up, fill up that reservoir a little bit because when you go through it, I think all you feel is negativity and you feel a lot of failure, a lot mm-hmm. of personal failure and a lot of grief and a lot of I'm not good enough. Yeah. That does it eventually dissipate, but you need to make sure you surround yourself with the good things and the, the, the good people. And, mm-hmm. you know, you might, you might be some of those things, but that's all right. Everybody mm-hmm. else is too. Yeah. You know, stick your head above the parapet 
and have a look round because I can promise you, you are not the only one who's feeling like this. It just feels like that. And this is not how your life is going to be today. It's just how it is today. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a, a moment forever. in time, isn't it? It's just That's all it is. It's just yeah. a day. And if you're having a bit of a rubbish day, we all get them. Don't think, oh, this is how my week's going to go. This is my life. It isn't. Take it as a bad day, write yeah. it off, and then start again. So I feel like those tips are amazing. I've got down self-care, responding, not reacting. I'm using this for my, my own uh, <laughs> parenting <laughs> practice more than anything. Uh, responding rather than reacting, embracing imperfections, and try not to catastrophize. So if something happens that's negative or bad, then you know it doesn't have to extend any longer than that day or that week it is as you say a moment in time so yeah those are amazing tips and I think they can be used for any parent out there obviously we've we've talked about your single parent journey but um and that that's just been fascinating to get to know you and your experience but yeah I feel like any parent can glean information from and the other thing is don't compare yourself yeah don't compare yourself to anybody and anything and stay off social media about those groups that tell you how to make the perfect play-doh just make your own <laughs> <laughs> honestly make your own does it work yeah <laughs> it's fine honestly it's fine <laughs> i couldn't think of a better way to end that actually kate then don't worry about the perfect play-doh i feel that that needs to be the um podcast episode <laughs> well, <laughs> you're welcome oh thank you so much Kate for being so incredibly honest and enjoyable to talk to you're just so easy to talk to I'm so happy that you came forward and I'm so happy that I got to talk to you today so thank you Sam it's been lovely I I don't often share my journey so yeah I've, I've felt a lot of shame about it over the last few years and now why why should I it's not shameful at all so wonderful to talk to you Oh, it's really not shameful at all. And I'm in absolute admiration of the things that you've overcome. 